Welcome to The Path and the Practice, a podcast dedicated to sharing the professional origin stories of the attorneys at Foley and Lardner LLP, a full-service law firm with over 1,000 lawyers across the U.S. and abroad. I'm your host, Alexis Robertson, Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Foley. In each episode of this podcast, you'll hear me in conversation with a different Foley attorney. You'll learn about each guest's unique background, path to law school, and path to Foley and Lardner. Essentially, you'll hear the stories you won't find on their professional bios. And of course, you'll learn a bit about their practice. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome to a special edition of The Path and the Practice. This episode is dedicated to all things recruiting. So, It is special because it is not the usual format of the show. It is not me talking to a Foley lawyer, walking through their path to law and their path to Foley. Instead, I am joined by two guests, which by the way, to me is a huge deal because I've had over 50 episodes of this show. This is the first time I've had two guests, but those two guests are Bob Shear and Amy Moynihan. Bob is a litigation partner in Foley's New York office and chair of the firm's National Recruiting Committee, and Amy is Foley's director of recruiting. And in this podcast, we have a discussion about all things recruiting related, including the screening and callback process for summer associate hiring, the best way to prepare for and to navigate interviews. We cover what Foley is looking for in law student candidates, how the summer associate program is structured, as well as what it is that makes a successful summer associate experience. So if you are a law student heading into interviews, this podcast is for you. If you know a law student who is interviewing this season or who will be eventually, this is also for them. So I would ask you to share it. Also, truly, this discussion is a conversation that I wish I could have listened to when I was navigating this process many years ago. And while it'll tell you a ton about Foley and Lardner, my hope is it also can help anyone who is interviewing with large law firms better understand what they should do to optimize their performance in the process, but also to hopefully stress a little bit less. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bob and Amy. Bob and Amy, welcome to The Path and the Practice. Super exciting because we have a special edition of the show where we are talking all things recruiting. But I am going to start the way I normally start the show, which is having you each introduce yourself. So Bob, if you could please go ahead and give your introduction and a little bit of background. Thanks, Alexis. I'm Bob Scher, and I am a litigation partner in the New York office of Foley and Lardner. I went to Duke University Law School, and I have been with the firm for almost 20 years after uh, the small litigation firm I worked for in New York merged with Foley in 2004. I'm also chair of the firm's National Recruiting Committee. So happy to have you here. And I'll let the listener know you have, there's a bit of yard work going on in your neighborhood. So if they hear any background noise, that's what it is. But you know, pandemic living, we're all used to that at this point. But next, Amy, could you introduce yourself? Thanks so much, Alexis. I'm the director of legal recruiting at Foley and Lardner. In my role here, I oversee entry level and lateral attorney recruiting functions at the firm. And I also work closely with other members of our legal talent and development department to support life cycle, attorney life cycle events at the firm. I grew up in central Illinois, which is also where I went to college, and I moved to Chicago after graduating and began my career as a legal recruiter in 2003. I worked for a large law firm for about 17 years before making the move to Foley in March of 2020, just as the firm was transitioning to remote working. 
So it was a really interesting time to join the firm because like all other firms, we were trying to figure out how to modify our summer associate program and to recruit talent during a pandemic. So I started completely remote and quickly jumped into the deep end working with um, Bob Scher and Jen Patton, who's our chief legal talent officer and other members of firm leadership to determine what would be the best path forward for the firm. You know, we may talk about this a bit more, Amy, but it is not lost on me that you started it fully during the pandemic, quickly had to plan uh, the first ever virtual summer associate program and have just been in a really different time for recruiting, which I know we will we will talk about. But a little bit of background for the listeners before we dive in. So as many of the listeners likely know, this podcast typically features me in conversation with a Foley attorney walking through their path to law and their path to Foley. But going into on-campus interviews, although I guess I should call them the virtual interviews, we thought it would be great to sort of mix things up and bring in the people who know about interviewing at Foley, especially the summer associate program and the interview process. So just to make it super clear, who you have with you today is our director of recruiting and the chair of our recruiting committee. And we are going to hit on a number of topics that we think are top of mind for law students interviewing with Foley or other large law firms. And so before we get into the nuts and bolts of that, Amy, could you just give us a sense of Foley as a, as a law firm, um, just our, our size and breadth of practice and all that? Yeah, Foley is an AMLAW 100 law firm. And we have more than a thousand attorneys spread across 21 different domestic offices and three international offices. Our platform consists of three different core practices that includes intellectual property, litigation, and corporate law. And outside of these core focus areas, we have more than 60 different practice groups and 13 cross disciplinary industry teams. So it's, uh, it, you know, we touch on almost everything. We do all different types of law, and that provides a great platform for our new attorneys that join as both laterals and summer associates. You know, Bob, you may want to add on to that, but I'm also going to ask if you can kick us off with the first general topic of interviewing at Foley as a law student, in particular to those rising 2Ls. What type of candidate is Foley looking for? You know, Alexis, we're... As a starting point, we certainly require a certain type of resume, but really that's, you know, just a starting point. And we go way beyond that. We are really looking, and there's no one particular characteristic. You know, we're looking for people who have done interesting things. We're looking for people who bring diversity, who will bring diversity to our law firm and to the way we think about things and to the way we strategize. But we're really looking for people who are going to participate and be part of our team. Our summer associates and our young associates, we don't want people to come into the room, get assignments, walk out, do their assignments, and bring them back. We want to hear what they're thinking. We want to hear them say, wait, why aren't we doing this? Or that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't mean that every time they suggest something, we're going to do it. But we're certainly looking for people who bring the total picture Are they smart? Of course, they need to be smart. Have they gone to pretty good law schools? We need that. But we're looking well beyond that. Bob, you said a couple of things that make me laugh. One, you said we're looking for people who are interesting and have have done stuff. I think you you said it better than that, but that was the gist. And I just love that we're doing this on this podcast because I think that's absolutely proof of what you just said. So for anyone who's like, what do you mean? I'm like, hey, we have 50 something episodes where you can hear what we mean. Also, I can personally attest to the fact because as a, I was a 1L summer associate at Foley many years ago. 
But during my experience at the firm, I remember going to trial actually with with Jim Dasso in downstate Illinois. And at the end of the day, him turning to me and asking me my opinion. Can you imagine? I had one one year of law school under my belt, and I have, you know, Jim is still a very senior partner at the firm, and he was senior then, asking me what I thought about the performance and, you know, what I thought the judge may, may do. So I can just personally say that that is absolutely the case and has not changed since my experience at the firm. Although, you know, Bob or Amy, open this to either of you. You did mention a bit about, you know, doing pretty well in school. And I think it's very hard for us, you know, in, in a podcast with people from all over the country, presumably listening, to get into the ins and outs of sort of the like profile of grades and resume. But do you have any general words about grades or what a student should do or say if maybe they struggled a bit that first year of school? I'll take the first crack at that. I mean, like I said, obviously grades is one standard thing that every firm is going to look at. I think that our firm is much more flexible when it comes to grades. And I don't think people should be too apologetic about grades. I've had people come into interviews and start right away, uh, you know, explaining why they didn't do so great in law school. And I'm looking at their resume and say, wait, this looks fine to me. You know, what are you apologizing for? So obviously, if, you know, there's a real dramatic difference between what you expected or what you've seen in your past and, and how you performed your first year of law school, and there's a reason for it, let us know. But don't be apologetic. Grades are just one aspect of what we're looking for. And we see the grades on the piece of paper. That's not what we want to talk to you about in your interview. We want to hear about you, your interests, and what you're going to bring to the table. Yeah, Amy, I see you nodding. Did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I think Bob's, I think he's exactly right. And it's been my experience and what I've observed is that um, Foley has a lot of thoughtful conversations around candidates holistically. So while grades are very important, I think that, you know, the dialogue around candidates, if there was a certain semester or a grade that was particularly low, there's conversations around that. So it's not just a straight paper cut and, you know, we move on to other candidates. Yeah. So in my my prior life, before I became a diversity inclusion professional, I spent a couple of years as a recruiter. And um, I actually did at the University of Michigan, the Chicago legal market presentation for the students. And that included meeting with one-on-one about, I think, 10 or 15 students in one day. And you would, maybe you wouldn't be surprised because I do think law students tend to stress perhaps more than they should. But almost every meeting I had, the student was like, listen, my grades were not as good as what I was hoping for. (laughs) And I was like, all right, tell me, lay it on me. Like how bad was it? And let me just tell you the things these students said were not bad. So just know all of this is relative, but also Bob, just to highlight what you said, you don't want to walk into an interview presuming either the worst or sort of, I hate to say it, but it affects your energy if you feel like in the first three minutes of talking to somebody, you have to explain your grades. I mean, if there is something to highlight there, you know, maybe do it at minute 15 to 18 <laughs> towards the end, but do not walk in with like, hi, Bob, my name's Alexis. I want you to know that first message was really, no, no. Let, let, you know, engage in the interview. Engage. So I just have to stress that because I think students worry a lot about that. Also, and moving on a little bit, what is the best way for people to learn about Foley? And I feel weird saying that because, yeah, we have this podcast hint. But what, what do you recommend students do to prepare for an interview with Foley and Lardner or really any law firm? I'm really glad you asked that, Alexis, because let me start off by saying we want you to learn as much as you possibly can about our firm because we're confident that the more you learn about us, the more you're going to like. 
but it's not an easy task. You know, you're going to be having these 20 minute interviews with a bunch of firms and they are all going to look alike. And whether it's true or not, every one of them is going to say the people here are great. The culture here is great. It's collegial. It's friendly. You're going to love it. So that's, you know, I think all of those things are true about Foley, but you know, there's walking, there's talking the talk and walking the walk. So you have to do your homework and it's not easy. Should you start with the basic resources? Absolutely. Read the various uh, things to read online. Talk to your classmates or the people in the class ahead of you who summered at our firm, even if you don't know them. That's a terrific resource. Find out people from your law school who are at our firm, even if they've been there for a number of years. Just email them or call them. They're happy to talk to you. Use every network possibility that you can. It could be your parents' friends. It could be your doctor or anybody. Anybody that knows anything about our firm or other firms that you're looking at, find out as much information as you possibly can about the firms. There's no substitute for it. Amy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would add to the career services offices at your law schools. I know that, you know, we have relationships with all of the career services offices that we work with and, you know, they're a great resource to you. So I, in addition to, you know, talking to, you know, fellow classmates who've summered at certain firms, as Bob had mentioned, that I think that, you know, career services will be a great resource. I also believe that many of them keep kind of files, if you will, on firms that you can go in and, and get information and, you know, read summaries from other summer associates who may have summered at that firm. There's a couple of things neither of you said, which I thought was interesting. And I have to be careful how I say this because the various industry rankings and publications are important. There's a place for that. But neither one of you said that they should obsess over either firm websites or or firm rankings. And I, I just highlight that because I think law students will almost naturally gravitate to those things because they're e- somewhat easily accessible. But Bob and Amy, what I both heard you talk about were ways about engaging other people in your process. And so I I just have to harp on that because I've been saying that to law students for years. Yes, please, you know, don't apply to a firm thinking they do litigation when they don't do the basics. But really what they just said in terms of reaching out to others is the best way to learn about a firm. And, you know, and sort of in that same vein, and ultimately during this podcast, maybe it's going to be repetitive because all of this, much of this falls under interview tips, this section, but do you have other just general interview tips when interacting with, you know, whether it be Foley or another law firm, you know, how, how should a candidate conduct themselves? Let's say particularly in that screening interview, and maybe next we'll talk about callbacks. Amy, I see you, you nodding. Go ahead. Tell me more. No, actually. And I think this goes along with researching the firm kind of that we were just talking about. So it's really important that you be prepared and you're going to hear that over and over. You know, that's one of the top tips that you're going to, if you Google it, you would see, you know, do your homework, be prepared for the interview. And that's, that is right on because what I think you're going to find asked frequently is, you know, why are you interested in our firm? And you have to have a good answer for that. It shouldn't be, you know, a cookie cutter response where I'm interested in litigation and you do litigation, you should make it personal. So I would recommend, you know, looking at the firm's websites and talking to people and, seen, you know, what significant cases or trials the firm's been involved in that's interesting to you. You can highlight that during your interview. Talk about something you might have read that's, you know, available on the attorney's profile that you're meeting with. And 
you know, like I said, just bring it back to a more personal conversation. And I think that will resonate really well with the interviewer. You know, during those OCI, you know, interview days, they're meeting with 15 to 20 students. So you will make yourself stand out when you can make that conversation be a little relevant to the attorney that you're meeting with, make it more personal. And what I've also found is that law students can really use social media to their advantage. So for example, follow Foley on LinkedIn. That will show you some of the recent things happening at the firm. And if you did that, you know, a week or two in advance of your interview, you'd probably just learn something about us and the many other firms you're considering via osmosis. But something else that I think, Amy, what you said is spot on, but just putting my diversity director hat on, not everybody has had exposure to most of these firms, right? There are people who are going to say, you know, based on a, a parent or family or friend, I've learned about Foley. And just know that just because you haven't personally interacted with these firms does not mean you can't personalize your response. So I just want to make that very clear. No one's expecting you to walk in knowing everything about their firm. But for you to say something like, I know Foley and Lardner has a really strong IP practice. And actually, the other day, I read something about, you know, some trial, it just shows that you did take a couple of minutes to learn about us, but it doesn't have to be this sort of vast um, recitation of what Foley and Lardner is all about. And also you do benefit, frankly, from this sort of wide-eyed, I hate to say it, but naive law student who can say, you know, I'm still learning a lot about different practice areas, but I've been impressed by X, Y, or Z. Bob, do you have more to add to that in general, just about screening interviews and engagement? No, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You need to come in and, and be prepared but you don't you don't have to know everything about the firm. We can we and any lawyer who's interviewing from any firm can tell very quickly whether you're just phoning it in or whether there's genuine interest. And we want genuine interest. It means a lot to us. Absolutely. And the other way to prepare, which may sound a little strange, but I tell this to law students, is you can practice. Particularly in this virtual environment, um, you can practice that answer to tell me about yourself. You can jump in a Zoom room all by yourself and press record and pretend that someone just asked you to tell me about yourself. And then you can watch it back. And that might sound, you know, like a little, a little strange or a little awkward. And you know what? It is. But um, these interviews are important. And I, I think a lot of times when people have back-to-back-to-back screening interviews, they find the, the ones later in the day are better because they've literally been practicing throughout the, the earlier ones. So practice before you get there, if you can. And then moving on to, to callbacks. And just to orient everyone, because I know many students, this is the first time, you know, they'll have done this, maybe the first and only time. You have a number of screening interviews. Hopefully those go well. And then firms decide if they want to bring you back. Amy, could you talk about the actual process and then maybe your, your tips? And then we can also hear from Bob on that as well. Yeah. Well, on the law firm side, I can tell you that speed is definitely the name of the game. And, you know, we are trying to move candidates really fast through our process because we understand that they're interviewing with a lot of firms. They have a lot of decisions that they need to make. They need to know where they stand with us. So Foley works very hard to make sure that we are converting those callback interviews within about 24 hours uh, after the OCI interview. We also, you know, we structure our callback interviews different in our offices. For the most part, they're going to follow a similar format where you'll meet somewhere between four to six attorneys, 20 to 30 minutes each. When you are in person versus being virtual, that might include a lunch or some other type of meal, whether that be breakfast or something like that. But typically you're, you know, paired with people that are 
practicing in an area that you've expressed an interest in during the OCI process and just to make that experience more meaningful for you. You're also going to meet with attorneys at different levels or different stages of their career. So you'll meet with folks that are partners um, down to junior associates. And, you know, again, in the same vein, we are trying to move things as fast as we can. So, you know, we will try to schedule that callback interview very soon after the, you know, callback invitation is extended. And then we will then also in turn try to make decisions as fast as we can after the callback interview is conducted. All right. And a, a question that I think a lot of law students worry about that we frankly don't think a lot about at all, but I have to ask you follow-ups. So as a law student, should I be emailing or writing a handwritten letter to everybody I've met throughout the process? Um, you know, Bob, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on that? I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I mean, it's nice to get, an, it doesn't have to be a handwritten note. It's nice when I get an email, but I got to tell you, never in my years of, of recruiting have I said, oh, this person didn't send a follow-up. So, you know, it's a nice thing to do, especially if you had a particular connection or there was a certain topic that you discussed and, you know, you wanted to just mention that. But I don't think it's, it's uh, obligatory at all. And then other things that I think are just things people know, but even touching on, say, like attire during the virtual interview, or if you, and I know in some cases your callback may still be virtual or it may be in person. I know firms are sort of all over the place with that, but, but quick thoughts on that. What, what are, what do law students wear? Do they have to wear a suit and tie? Do women have to be in skirts? Like, so what, what do you think? Amy, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, I do think that it's best to look professional. And so I think that that would include, you know, for for women and men suits. And I think that, you know, you'll find that your interviewers will be dressing professionally as well, uh, in most cases. So I, I think, you know, look the part. And certainly when you're, you know, whether that's your screening interview or your callback interview, when you get past the offer point, and you know, you're coming, you're meeting with people more in an informal setting, I think you can Go to business casual at that point, dress it down a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's looking the part, but while being comfortable in yourself, right? Like if you're, this might sound a little odd, but if you're someone who doesn't normally wear heels, I don't know that heels are the time that you're going to want to put them on for your callback. Totally. And so I, yeah. And same thing. Cause I just remember, um, and this was a lot, a while ago, but there'd be things with women where you have to wear a skirt and you have to wear, you know, nylons, things like that, that I think sound really antiquated right now, but I literally want to say them out loud because I do think students worry about this. Another thing that I want to talk about, which is a little bit different, but I think important is really just the type of energy the individual brings to the interview. I often give the advice of a humble confidence because ultimately we are um, interviewing for our colleagues and people are truly trying to assess whether or not they would be able to work with you. Could you elaborate on that? Like what, what sort of overall demeanor or I hate to say it for lack of a better term, like vibe are, should, should students be going for in these exchanges? Well, you know, Alexis, that's a tough question. I, I think, you know, if people can naturally uh, come across as humbly confident, that's great. But I think people should be themselves. You know, I, I think the last thing people should try and do during an interview, and I know you're not suggesting this, is to try and be somebody that they're not. You know, be yourself. It took a lot for you just to get into the interview room with us and other firms. So you've obviously done something wrong, something right in your life. So continue with that. Yeah, you don't want to, obviously, you don't want to come across as arrogant or overconfident. Um, that can be a turnoff for sure. But 
be yourself and it's gotten you pretty far so far. So stick with it. I think that's exactly right. And I, I like to talk about that though, because I've encountered students who, back to what you said, Bob, you've done a lot of right things. We are interviewing you and you are also interviewing us. So hopefully you do feel like you know, you're know you able to, to be yourself and ask good questions. And, and pivoting just a little bit, specifically talking about Foley and Lardner now, what do you want students to know about Foley and Lardner? And maybe we could start with the culture, which, you know, frankly, we talk a lot about and the word the people comes up. But Bob, what should students know about Foley and Lardner? What has, what brought me to Foley and Lardner and what has kept me at Foley and Lardner for so many years is the people and the collegiality and the camaraderie of the firm. Although, like I said, you're not going to interview with any firm that doesn't tell you that. So, you know, when you come in, into the office for callback interviews, remember, this is, as, as you just said, Alexis, as much you interviewing us than us interviewing you. And notice the little things, you know, when a lawyer is taking you down the hall to the next lawyer's office and passes an assistant on the way, do they just keep walking or do they stop and say, hey, Mary, how are you? How did your son's softball game go last weekend? You know, it, it's little things like that that tell you a lot about a firm. I think that Foley, you know, checks all of those boxes. But again, you got to do your work and you got to do your research and do everything you can to find out about us. You know, and I think that discussion of about people is also a good segue to talking about how we as a firm have navigated these really strange times as the pandemic. So, Amy, I alluded to this before that you started in March and the first thing you started working on was the virtual summer program. But how has Foley navigated the pandemic as it relates to summer associate programs and, and recruitment and all of that? Sure. Yeah, it was a really difficult time for firms um, transitioning to completely remote and trying to figure out how you could provide a meaningful experience to summer associates in, in that type of setting. And I was really proud of what we accomplished here. We have an amazing legal recruiting team, an amazing recruiting committee, all who were kind of rolled their sleeves up and got involved in that in that effort. So in, in 2020, last summer, we were still able to, you know, offer a, a condensed summer program, which we did a lot of social networking. Of course, it was all virtual. Um, we had ample assignments. People were very, very busy. And, you know, there were a lot of training programs, obviously, and introductions to the firm that we offered. And we got a lot of great feedback. Of course, there was nothing to compare it to. We'd never done something like that before, but everyone was really impressed with the way that we were able to pivot so quickly and, and deliver that type of program. Fortunately, this year, we were able to move to a more normal schedule and uh, went back to a 10-week program that started in mid-May and, and, and we'll be wrapping up on July 30th so soon. But it's uh, it's been a little different than last year in that we didn't do it completely virtual. We did offer it uh, to all summer associates who were joining us if they were comfortable you know, and wanted most comfortable being virtual, we were able to deliver that. But uh, some offices were able to offer in-person components. So whether that be working in the office or attending social events or other types of training programs and, and what have you, uh, we were able to do some in-person components. And I'm really hopeful that, I, I'm just going to put it out there, I'm really hopeful that next year everything is going to be back to normal and we're all going to be able to gather again together and, and um, you know, have the, the normal summer program that we're used to having at Foley. 
I hope so, because that'll be my third summer associate <laughs> uh, pr- summer with the firm before it's sort of normal. But also, Amy, I think I've said this a couple of times on the podcast before, but truly what you've done with your team, Bob, as well as the recruiting committee over the last 18 months and how nimble you've had to be and innovative really is a testament. You know, as we know, for whatever reason, a number of firms chose not to have a summer program last year. Foley was not one of those firms. And it's been great to be closer to normal this year while still making a number of accommodations for the pandemic. Although one other thing that I want to talk about as we explore what's unique about Foley is, and it's something that I've had reflected to the summer associates because I've, I've spoken to almost all of them actually, but as a summer Many of them have been talking about getting real substantive work, getting real exposure to the the partners and also the senior lawyers at, at the firm. And I'd like to, if you guys could both speak about, about that, and then we will get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of the summer program, but also just Foley's overall associate to partner ratio and how ultimately it is about, about one-to-one and how I think that really does affect, affect the experience of our attorneys, as well as our summer associates. Bob, could you elaborate on sort of the structure of Foley and how that affects just attorney development? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that's very unique about Foley, at least as compared to other, you know, large national firms. Our partner to associate ratio is about one to one. It's, you know, more like five or six to one, I think, at, at a lot of firms. And so what does that translate into? It means that Our teams are built with partners and associates that the associates, I think, are doing much more substantive work at an early stage. We're not throwing people to the wolves. We're holding your hand and we're bringing you up and and people, you know. Uh, progress at different at different paces, and that's all fine. It also means, and this may be looking ahead, but obviously our firm makes partners. People who do well and succeed become partners at our firm, and at a lot of other firms, you can do just as well and succeed, but when it comes to partnership, that door is just closed to you. So it's it's a very different model, although I will say it's a model that a lot of big firms are trending toward. So that's interesting to see. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. I think I've talked about that a few times on the podcast, but I think what that can translate to also, as you just said, but just to reinforce this is there's room for everyone. Like the firm brings people in with the expectation that you will stay here, you will work here, you will make partner here. And of course we know that, you know, things happen in one's career. But it's not that we don't bring people in with the expectation that we're going to shed X number, you know, by the time partnership rolls around. And I, so I think that model of support is different. Also, I have to plug the fact for, you know, for Amy and I as members of the Legal Talent Development Department, that in addition to having that just exposure to the partners and sort of that, you know, formal mentoring and also just informal sort of natural mentoring that happens by virtue of that structure, there's also a robust legal talent development department behind all of that. Um, so also supporting the, uh, I guess I'll call it the uh, the attorney journey to partnership in a variety of ways. Um, but with that, that being said, let's get into some of the nuts, nuts and bolts. So this is the question a lot of summers, I'm sure will still ask us during OCI, but for those who listen to this, they may not have to. Amy, how does the summer program work? What, how is it structured? So yeah, I did touch a little bit on this, but uh, the typical program is is 10 weeks in length and begins in mid-May and, and wraps up in late July. And you know, back in the day, programs would run through August and in some cases, you know, early September, depending on when schools would have their students back. But because now that we're you know, doing OCI in late July and, and we're, you know, starting callbacks in 
recruiting of the next year's summer associate class, um, we tend to end our program in July. So that works well. Sorry, Amy, I'm interrupting you only to say this is something that dates me because I, I would say things like, back in my day, you could be a summer associate forever. You could be a summer through September. <laughs> But now we have now we have changed that because it's hard to have summers while you're also recruiting for OCI. But sorry, please go on. So true. So we, you know, we tend to have most of our programming. So our introductions to the firm, introductions to programs and resources that we offer, we do that typically at, at the national level. So we bring all the summer associates together so that they can, you know, experience those together. But we do offer programming and introductions at the local office level as well, so that you can meet people in your office and connect with them. So there are, you know, a variety of different types of uh, events that we schedule. We do on the national level, we do at a regional level, we'll also do, you know, at the local level so that you have the opportunity to meet people across the firm, which is great. And one of the hallmark, you know, events of the Foley summer experience, I think, is the summer retreat, which unfortunately we have not really been able to do because of the pandemic over the last couple of years. But what's always been a staple of our summer program is the retreat where we bring all of our summer associates together and uh, typically in the Chicago office and, and they get to hear from firm leadership and they get to meet attorneys from across the firm and they get to go to great fun social networking events and, and um, you know, really spend time together and get to know each other, which is really important. So, you know, we are hoping that we'll be able to bring back the retreat when, when things get back to normal. But, you know, we also offer a lot of support and resources. So we have summer program coordinators that are responsible for planning the, you know, the summer programs in their respective offices with the legal recruiting team. And then we have mentors that um, some offices have multiple mentors at different levels of experience so that summer associates can get help navigating the summer program. And the mentors, they give advice on, you know, assignments and they take their summer associates to lunch. And they're also responsible for making sure that their mentee meets people around the firm. So it's nice to have a designated buddy. And of course, you have all of the informal buddies and, and friends that you'll make around the firm as well. But you know, that is that is one very important component of the summer program. Did you want me to get into assignments yet? Because I know that it's I would love for you to because I know law students want to know, you know, how how does that work? How does it how do I figure out what I'm working on as a summer? I think what Foley offers is fantastic in terms of assignments. So we have uh, an internal database where summer associates can go in and they can view the different types of billable, non-billable and pro bono work that we have available. And they can actually select the projects that are most interesting to them and that align with their practice area. So, of course, assignments also happen more organically where you'll run into a partner in the hallway or you'll get a call out of nowhere and someone needs you to take a project. So there still is the opportunity to do that. But I think what's wonderful is summer associates can go in and look at our database and figure out, you know, how much or how little to take on and, and pick from those assignments that we have available. And in addition to the assignments, there are just numerous practice activities that we've actually been able to offer virtually too. you know, over the last couple of years, whether those be depositions or, you know, we've also, our summer associates have been involved in interviewing an inventor, like on a patent application and just a variety of different opportunities so that they can shadow our attorneys and, and experience what they're experiencing and get a good kind of behind the curtain look at, at what really happens. 
First of all, all of the work our summer associates are doing in the summer is real live work that if it wasn't the summer, our more junior attorneys would be doing. So nobody's saying, oh, we have some summers here. Let's take the opportunity to have a 50 state survey done on the, you know, on this or that. No, it's work that needs to be done for real cases. And so that, you know, that's really terrific. I, I think that what's also important is that as Amy mentioned, you have the summer associates have a hand in some of the work that they're doing. At the very beginning, we ask what you're interested in, and we do everything we can to get you teamed up with people who are doing the type of work that that you really you know have an interest in. I will say, at the end of the summer, you will have a very accurate picture of what it's like to be a an associate at our firm, and that's very you know very important. Do we do social events? Of course we do them. And they're important. You know, when you're in a particular office, you may have the opportunity to work with, who knows, three, four, seven attorneys. Um, but we want to get give you an opportunity to get to know more and more people. So, you know, we'll go to bars, we'll go to restaurants, we'll go to a ball game. And it's a way for you to meet people, even the people you're working with, on a more informal basis. And that's really important. But we try and find the right balance. You know, we we have lives at home and we know you have lives at home too. And you do not want to be spending five nights a week after work with your work colleagues. So we do a little bit of it because we think it's important, but we try not to overdo it. We really try to strike the proper balance. Absolutely. But I love the everything you just described because it is important to get a sense for the work. But what's also really important is to get to know the firm when you're a summer associate. And I realize we're sort of bouncing around between OCI and being a summer. But I, I just think that's so important to stress because I, I have encountered summers who are 1,000% focused on the work. And that is great. Please do that. But to the extent that they may miss some of these other opportunities to get to know people at the firm, and I've found myself sort of reorienting them and say, the work's important. Thank you. Do that. That matters. But you need to go to these events because it's your chance to get to know individuals in a way that you frankly may not get the opportunity to once you come back as an associate. So such an important um, thing for, for summers to understand. And Bob and Amy, I think you've already addressed this in certain ways, but I want to ask it more pointedly. I realize for those going to OCI, this is going to be next summer. But so what makes a successful summer associate? Generally speaking, do we hire more people than we could conceivably make offers to? Like, how does that work for the firm? How do you decide who gets an offer and what what's a successful summer look like? So I think you've asked a couple of things there. I have. So, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> First of all, we hire very much toward the slots that we expect to have, although it is a, a actually a two-year advance look. But our expectation and our hope is that every single summer associate who comes during the summer gets an offer and there is room for an offer. So we're certainly not using the model of let's you know hire three times as many people as we want and we'll choose the top third not at all. It, it, every there's a, there's a spot for everybody, and our experience is that in most summers, every single person, every summer associate does get an offer. What makes a successful summer associate? That that is really really a tough question. I obviously you need to be diligent and and dependable and and do your best work. And as I said before, 
be yourself. You know, it was a long path to getting you to the point where you're in law school and you're either summering with our firm or another firm. You've done things right. Just continue doing them. Be yourself. Don't try and be somebody that you're not and contribute. Don't be afraid. Don't be a shrinking flower. You know, don't don't sit in the room and say, well, I'm just a summer associate, so I'm, I'm not going to add anything. And, you know, the partners are talking and I'll just leave with my notes. Not at all. We want to hear what you have to say. We're very interested. You know, and without opening a can of worms of sort of summer associate industry horror stories, I don't want to go there. I do just want to say, though, that I think in terms of people who may have a difficult summer, it's often a communication-related issue. It'll be something about failure to communicate related to assignment, and oftentimes gross failure to communicate candidly. I think um, when people use their judgment, things work out just fine, but I hope it can sort of address fears my people have. I don't think it's frequently the case that we're like, you know, this person's analysis, legal analysis just wasn't in depth enough for the motion they were asked to draft. Therefore, we cannot hire. It's usually not that. It's usually somebody, you know, not just us, but when you see like this stuff happen in the industry, it's like someone stopped coming to work. <laughs> like, because I, I was actually at a firm where that did occur. They just stopped coming. They didn't tell anybody. <laughs> or, you know, you just didn't communicate throughout. So I just, I just want to say that so that people understand generally, you know, if you exercise good judgment and care, things will work out just fine for you. Um, in our last, I don't know, five or so minutes, I wanted to pivot quickly to the topic of 1L and 3L recruiting. Amy, could you just say a few words about both? Because I imagine some people will listen who wonder if Foley does either or both. Sure. We actually do both. We will start the 1L recruiting process probably in, I would say, late, mid to late October where we start talking to 1Ls and then actually recruiting later in the year. But, you know, typically the firm is looking for 1Ls, I would say, you know, anywhere from 8 to maybe 15 to join our summer program, depending on the size of the summer program. And, you know, in a variety of different capacities, whether that be for our IP group or as general practice summer associates who aren't really quite sure if they want to do corporate or they want to do litigation. So, you know, they'll join us as a as a GP summer associate, and then have an opportunity to, to kind of test drive both practice groups. So 1L hiring is, is, you know, it used to be, you know, everybody waits until after December 1st, no contact with students. And in some cases, that's, you know, for certain law schools still the case. But we do start having conversations earlier than that. With respect to 3Ls, you know, it really is based kind of on the firm's needs and how, what the outcomes are of our 2L summer associate program. So the firm will reassess, you know, after the summer program and determine if there are any gaps of, you know, where we need to fill in for that experience. And in fact, if you went to our website today, as of today's date, you'll see that we already do have a couple of postings for 3L opportunities. So certainly not uh, the, you know, same process that you would go through as a 1L or a 2L in terms of, you know, interviewing and like OCI and, and what have you, but um, we will post our positions to the website and, you know, recruit candidates to join us uh, after law school and they take the bar exam. And Amy, could you also talk a bit about Foley's Diversity Fellowship Program? Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. So we do have we do have a diversity fellowship program, and, and our fellowship program started in 1998, and it's evolved over the years, but it is available to 2L uh, law students that join us for the summer. We have multiple awards that we give out each recruiting season, and so 2Ls will um, be awarded a $20,000 fellowship, and it's paid in two installments, one after the summer associate concludes with us for the summer program, 
And then the second half is paid when they join us. Our application process is actually open right now and opened in late June. So we are accepting applications through early September and we will be reviewing applications on a rolling basis until then. So the application can be found on the website. There's a lot more information on our DNI page on the website, as well as the careers page of the website. So I encourage everybody to check that out. And Alexis, I would say that, I mean, the application, it's usually a one page essay, so it's not very rigorous. And it is one of the joys of being involved in the process is reading these applications. Often they're stories that are not told during the interviews, but reading the paths that certain people took to get to where they are. They're just some inspiring and incredible stories. And I, I just love reading them and getting to know the people in that way. Thanks so much for that, Bob. You know, you actually raised something that I'm going to touch on briefly, almost to the point that it's not fair. (laughs) But this idea of the stories that don't come out during the interviews, I think for all students, you should think really long and hard about what highlights of your, your life or your path that you would like the interviewer to take away. And it's not always possible. And you have to be mindful of their questions and your time. But there may be things that you really think are important for someone to truly understand and know you, which I know we've been stressing is what we're trying to do, that the, you know you might not get the exact right question. And so I would just encourage students to think about that. It might be the case you have five minutes left, you're interviewing with Bob and you say, you know, Bob, I know our time's winding down and I just wanted to highlight for you that I also did work in X or I had this experience or I'm a first generation. I don't, I don't know what that may look like, but I do really think you should understand that we want you to paint a picture of yourself, um, but you are also being interviewed by full-time attorneys who may not ask you the most perfect questions to get all of that. So just something to think about. And it's frankly a question I'm asked a lot as a diversity and inclusion professional is how do I, how do I talk about myself? How do I talk about diverse experience? So the thing is, we want you to talk about them. You know, of course, figure out a way to do it concisely and ideally in sound bites, you know, don't talk for 17 minutes straight about it, but you should definitely feel free to do that. Um, But anyway, as we are winding down our discussion, Bob and Amy, I wanted to get your final advice or words of wisdom to law students in terms of navigating this process. I'm intentionally leaving this question extremely broad so that you can highlight whatever whatever you would like to share. And Amy, if we could start with you. Sure. I think that it's been a really difficult year. And I think that, you know, having to pivot to virtual meetings and making connections with people, you know, where otherwise we were so used to doing that in person, it's been hard. It's been hard for law students. It's been hard for the firms as well. And I think that students should give themselves a little bit of a break and try to reduce some stress around this process and know that the attorneys that you're meeting with, they they appreciate and understand how difficult of an experience it can be, whether you are in person or you're doing it virtual. So I, I would recommend that, you know, there are steps you can take to help reduce that stress. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you're, you know, getting, you know, good sleep and you're getting, you know, you're getting good breakfast and and lunch and, and you're taking time to, you know, meditate if that helps calm you, but also trying to reduce that stress so that you can go into that interview and feel like you are presenting your best self. And, you know, if you are doing a virtual interview and something kind of sneaks up on you and you, 
you know, your dog enters the room or a, a child or whatever, know that the attorneys that are meeting with you understand we've we've all been in this situation for the past, you know, 18 months, if you will, and and have a full appreciation that some of those things are unexpected and you can't plan for it. So do your best to try to reduce the stress around around this situation because in that case you will be able to, you know, have great successful interviews and, and really bring your authentic self to the interview. I love that, Amy. What I hear you saying is to extend yourself a little bit of grace because this yeah. is this process is hard. And Bob, how about you? Final words of wisdom or advice? Well, Alexis, you said earlier that um, when we recruit, we hope to find people who are going to spend their and our goal is to find people who are going to spend their entire careers with us, and that's really true. I think what you know we're hoping to have you do is find a home. So my advice would be. Stop resume building and don't focus on statistics or rankings. I know people who chose colleges and law school, not because they thought it was the best fit, but because it had a certain ranking. And this is real life now. And if you find a firm that seems to be the right firm for you and the right fit for you, do not go look at the AmLaw 100 and say, but I got an offer from a firm that's ranked five places higher and choose that firm. Choose the firm that you think you'll be able to call home because it, it will make you a happier person in the long run. I guarantee it. Bob, what you just said, this is real life now. That hit me straight in the chest. Uh, spoiler alert, law, the law students that plan to graduate from law school, go to a law firm, work for 30, 40 years, dot, 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 walk off into the sunset, dot, dot, dot's a long time and you want to spend it somewhere that you like working. Um, but with that, I just have to say thank you so much for joining me on the show at the risk of you being inundated by emails. I'm not sure. I do have to ask you if students have comments or questions they'd like to ask you, can they feel free to find you on Foley's website and send you an email? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you so much, Avi and Bob. Thanks, Alexis. Alexis, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to The Path and the Practice. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and join us again next time. And if you did enjoy it, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review as your feedback on the podcast is important to us. Also, please note that this podcast may be considered attorney advertising and is made available by Foley and Lardner LLP for informational purposes only. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship. Any opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the views of Foley and Lardner LLP, its partners, or its clients. Additionally, this podcast is not meant to convey the firm's legal position on behalf of any client, nor is it intended to convey specific legal advice.